Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening as we come before you in prayer that we can reiterate what we've already heard from Scripture tonight from the psalmist, that we don't have to trust in the things of this world, in our own resources, or even the institutions of man, that we can trust in the name of the Lord our God, the name above every name. And because you are God, we come before you humbly, affirming our need of you. As we've shared prayer concerns this evening, we see that there there are many who need a touch from you. There are those who need your Spirit to draw them. Lord, that you would give them faith and repentance. There are those who need encouragement right now, those who are lonely and shut in. And so we come before you, Lord, to pray for these needs that are connected to our our church family. We give thanks in what Mr. Dale shared with his friend Charles, and we continue to lift him up and commend him to you, Lord, that you would touch him and strengthen him. I pray for Miss Lily and also Mr. Donnie tonight, God, that they would receive a touch from you, strength from your hand. Lord, I pray for Laura this evening. I know that she's discouraged with the lack of answers concerning her health, and I just pray for her doctors, Lord, that you will guide them and that there will be resolution there. For Jordan's niece that Mr. Phil shared about who has the virus, we pray for Amy this evening. We pray for Miss Janet and also Mary Rose. We lift up Carol Green tonight and Lord, I pray for Miss Avis ahead of her surgery that you would just calm any fears that she has, that you will give her strength physically and that you would also guide her doctors as they care for her in the days ahead. I pray for the singletons, Lord, as they uh, are now recovered from the virus, but just that you would uh, minister to them and that, Lord, they would be back in fellowship with us soon. I pray for my dad, for strength and healing, for my grandmother, Lord, that you would touch her mind and encourage her. We lift up Mr. Bill Christian tonight and ask you to touch him and to strengthen him physically as well, Lord. And we know that there are other needs that are not perhaps represented tonight that are connected to our church. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to seek you in prayer. And as it relates to our church, Lord, I pray that tonight you would encourage us through this study, through the teaching of Scripture, through this book study that we're looking at. I pray, Lord, that you would convict us to be in prayer for the lost, that we would be concerned about our community, that we would be finding ways to reach out and to be the church. And I'm reminded of that prayerful commitment from last week. And so I pray this as we close. Lord, open our eyes that we might see our church as you see it. Help us to see where change needs to take place, even if it's painful. And use us, Lord, to be an instrument of that change, whatever the cost. So in the name of Christ, we pray and ask these things. And God's people said, Amen and Amen. Well, if you have your book tonight, I left mine over there, but I think I'm good. I think I got everything I need right here in my notes this evening. We're going to look at chapter 2, which is entitled Slow Erosion. No, I'm fine. You can hold on to yours. Um, Autopsy of a Deceased Church 
chapter 2. But before we get into chapter 2, I want to just quickly go back and recap over chapter 1, um, in particular because um, I'm planning to start recording these Wednesday night sessions so that we can upload them to our Facebook group and people who aren't able to attend, uh, they can um, study along in their own time, in their own way, and hopefully this study will be an encouragement to them as well. So let's quickly just sort of go back and recap what we talked about last week. I began with a verse from Proverbs, Proverbs 29 and 18, a very familiar verse. And it says in the New American Standard, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is one who keeps the law. And I also jotted it down in my notes from the King James because that's how we normally hear it. If you're like me, you probably memorized um, as a child from the King James Version of Scripture. And so it says there, where there is no vision, the people perish. But happy he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And so that verse isn't necessarily talking about vision in terms of what we think of when we think of vision. When we say, well, we're vision casting or we need a fresh vision, what we mean is we need a plan, we need some ideas, we need a course uh, charted so that we know what direction to go. But that's not exactly what that verse means. We're taking it out of its original context. It's actually talking about a lack of God's Word, adherence to biblical pr uh, principles, um, gospel preaching and teaching. And MacArthur wrote that this proverb looks both to the lack of the Word and the lack of hearing the Word. And so as we began this study, my thought to you, based on that verse of Scripture, the point that I wanted to drive home with that was that we need God's Word. We don't just need a, a fresh vision, a plan of action or a, a blueprint from a book, but we need gospel preaching and teaching. We need biblical principle and we need to adhere to it. We need a revival brought about by God's Holy Spirit and by God's Holy Word. And so that was my encouragement as we began session one, chapter one of the book. In chapter one, Rainier shares the, the statistic that some 10,000 churches in America are showing signs of decline towards death. 10,000 churches in our country. On the next page, recently Barna President David Kinneman indicated that as many as 20% of churches could close within the next 18 months, and that was from an October 2020 study. Um, now, I'll just be blunt this evening, and I've even had it happen recently <clears throat> where someone said, well, um, Pastor, that's your fault. If the church isn't growing, that's your fault. And I've heard other churches say, well, it's a pastor problem. Maybe our pastor isn't charismatic enough. Maybe he's not a dynamic speaker enough. And they've centered their whole church and ministry around one person. And that's absolutely wrong. Now, I, I want to say that, and, and I'm not saying it just so you think better of me. I'm saying it because it's the biblical truth. If the church isn't growing, that's not a pastor problem. It's not a pastor problem. It's an evangelism problem. It's a discipleship problem. And I shared with you last week that Jesus Himself said in Matthew 16, I will build My church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So church growth isn't, isn't just my fault. Now, certainly the pastor can do things to prohibit and prevent, but that's a congregational issue. That's a discipleship issue. That's an evangelism issue, not just a pastor problem. 
And then we saw in that first study together that prayerful commitment that we just prayed together a moment ago. And I do hope and trust that you will use these over the course of the study to pray in your own homes and with your own families. But it says, God, open my eyes that I might see my church as you see it. That's what we want. We want to see the church through the proper lens through the lens of God's Word, through the lens of God's Spirit, so that we can make the changes that we need to make. We need to be honest and assess those things as we go through this book. Use me, I pray, to be an instrument of that change, whatever the cost. Amen. And then, of course, we discussed those questions last week, but we'll get into chapter 2 tonight, which is entitled Slow Erosion. In the beginning of this chapter, Rainier is speaking about his hometown. Maybe you will remember reading that story. He goes back after many years away, and he begins to um, walk around the downtown area to look around to see the sights and the things, and he immediately began to see the decline of this once vibrant rural community. And the truth of the matter is, many churches do serve in that context. Um, I think about... um, I won't name names because if I do put this, you know, on the internet, it could, you know, get to the wrong person. But I think about a little church in my wife's hometown where her parents attend. And, um, you know, it's a great little church. They've got a great preacher. They really do. But that town is dying. I mean, it is just, it's just shrinking. It's just dying. You know the town. You've been through it. Red Springs, North Carolina. I mean, there's nothing there. And I think about how hard it must be in that context to have a shrinking, declining, dying community, and then you try to you try to build the kingdom of God at that local church. How hard that must be! And many churches do. I have a friend in New Mexico, and it's a town of just a few hundred people, um, and a couple hundred people. I'll say that, kind of probably about the size of Seven Springs. And when he got there, he thought, God, why have you called me to the middle of nowhere up on top of this mountain to pastor this church when there's only 200 people in the whole town? And guess what? Five, six, seven years later, there are more people attending their church than who live in the town. God can do it. God can bring revitalization. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not hard to minister in that context, but we've got to believe in the power of God's Word We've got to believe that God invests His power in His Word and not necessarily in programs. Now, programs can be great. They have their time and place. They can have value. But we need a return to biblical principle. Now, thinking about us in our context, we we can't say that. We live in in an area that's primed for growth. Um, When we were discussing the merger and the gentleman from the convention came, he, he shared with me some data they have a program where they can pull up um, basically community information, um, you know, demographics, uh, all kinds of things. And he said that this area right here, the, pro- the projections for it five to ten years is to have some pretty good growth because of the new highway and the things that are happening right here in this area. We don't live in a community that's necessarily dying. With the Air Force Base, we have a thriving community. There are opportunities here for us to share the gospel, for us to build the kingdom of God. But in that story, if we go back to it, as he was walking around, he bumped into an old acquaintance, you remember? And he asked him, what happened to our little town? And the gentleman's response was, what do you mean? You see, he had stayed there. He had lived there. He didn't see the decline. He didn't see 
the erosion, but someone who had been away for a while came back and it looked vastly different, didn't it? I want us to look objectively as we go through this book, as we answer these questions, to be honest, where are we at? What can we do differently? Lord, show us the decline. If it is happening, show it to us. He says that decline most often doesn't happen overnight. It's slow and it's methodical. The slow erosion is the worst type of decline for churches because the members have no sense of urgency to change. Often the decline is in the physical facilities, but it is much more than that. The decline is in the vibrant ministry that once existed. The decline is in the prayer lives of the members who remain. The decline is in the outward focus of the church. The decline is in the connection with the community. The decline is in the hopes and dreams of those who remain. And he uses the Old Testament book of Haggai to, to drive home his principle. In 520 B.C., the Jews have returned from exile and God tells them to rebuild the temple. And they get started on the foundation of the temple, but then they begin to run off in different pursuits. And they start building their own houses and become more concerned with their own comforts. And they didn't touch the house of God for a decade, for ten years it says in Scripture. And then God speaks in Haggai 1 verse 2. This is what the Lord of armies says. This people says this time, the time has not come, the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, it is time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house remains desolate. And then skipping down to verse 9, you start an ambitious project, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of armies. It is because of my house which remains desolate while each of you runs to his own house. They'd become more concerned with their own earthly comforts. Now, it's a good thing to have a house. Amen? It's a good thing to have a roof over your head. But the principle there for you and I is, are we more concerned with our own comforts, with our own kingdoms, than we are with the house of God and maintaining it as it properly should be maintained. I thought of that old quote by C.T. Studd. Only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. We spend 60, 70, 80, some of us if we're lucky, 90 to 100 years. And how much of that time is spent on our own kingdoms? How much of that time is spent on our own earthly comforts? Are we giving ourselves away for the kingdom of God? Are we building the foundation of God's church? As I said, that's not just the pastor's job. I can't do it at all without your help. And so are we, are we, are we focusing on what needs to be focused on? God didn't like it in Haggai's day that they were ignoring the house of God and the ministry and I don't believe he likes it today when he finds churches that aren't being faithful. And so for this week, our prayerful commitment number two. <clears throat> God, please let me be a part of the solution and not the problem. 
Show me what I need to see. Open my eyes to your reality. And give me the courage to move forward in the direction you desire. We're going to do the same thing that we did last week. I'm going to give you a few moments to look over those questions, to maybe jot down a few thoughts. And then hopefully after a few minutes have passed, we can uh, have some discussion together about those, those questions.